0: All about Jesus. It's all about the Lord. All about the Savior and the of his word. It's all about Jesus. Welcome to It's All About Jesus, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Eagle. You are listening to a Sunday morning message by Pastor Mike Sasso. If you would like to join us for church, we meet every Sunday. 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle, Idaho. You may also join us live streaming at that time. Go to cceagle.org at 10 a.m. to watch the whole service live. If you can't join us then, you can always go back and watch the video. Let's listen in to today's message. Jesus.
1: It's all about Jesus. It's all about the Lord. I don't know if you're catching it, but this reminds me of over 40 years earlier when the children of Israel wanted to escape the angel of death. And the angel of death was going to go through the land and bring death to the firstborn of every family in Egypt and, and the Hebrew people. And what did they do? They took the blood of the lamb, and they put it on the doorpost of their, uh, of their homes. And, and when the angel of death saw the, the red markings... On the doorpost of their homes, the angel of death passed over that house. The wrath of God passed over each home that had the red, the scarlet rope, so to speak. Kind of a good picture of the Passover here. Verse 19 goes on to say If they go out of the house, speaking your family, if they go out of the house into the street and are killed, it won't be our fault. But if anyone lays hands on the people inside this house, we will accept responsibility for their death. If you betray us, however, we're not bound by this oath in any way. I accept your terms, she replied. And she sent them on their way, leaving the scarlet rope hanging from the window. Like, I don't know if you're coming back tonight or tomorrow or what, but I'm going to hang the rope out right now. And uh, she started making phone calls. They didn't have phones. at the, <laughs> But she started getting her family members and gathering them, I'm sure. It says in verse 22, The spies went up into the hill country and stayed there three days the men who were chasing them searched everywhere along the road but they finally returned without success then the two spies came down from the hill country crossed the jordan river and reported to joshua all that had happened to them look at the verse 24 the lord has given us the whole land they said for all the people of the land are terrified of us this is quite different than the first time they sent spies into the land right Remember the 12 spies that went in Israel 40 years earlier and came back to Moses and said, We can't go out there. There's giants in the land. Sure, the food is plentiful. The grapes are big. Everything looks wonderful, but they're going to kill us. We look like grasshoppers in their sight. Remember the story? These spies came back with a little bit different story. So here's your first filling Rahab's spiritual salvation came because of her faith in the true God. Faith in the true God. Why do I put it like that? Because a lot of people think that faith is everything. Just faith. Just believe in yourself, right? You've got to just believe. Well, it's not just believe. You've got to believe in the right thing. you got to have faith in the true God. Too many times people, especially some of the health and wealth and positive confession teachers of today, will try to talk you into having faith in faith. Well, if you have faith, you could move mountains, and you could do this, and you could do that, you could speak to the disease, and it'll go away. You could be healthy, wealthy, and wise if you have faith. You just got to believe. You know, that sounds too much like, uh, what was that book, The Secret? You just speak to the universe, and you could have what you want. It's an old lie that keeps coming back up. You know what? Rahab's spiritual salvation came because of her faith in the true God. If God didn't say it, then you can't say it. If he didn't promise it, then you can't claim it but you have faith in the true God. And then she soon entered into the covenant of of the family of Israel. And eventually she became a member of the family, actually the family line leading to Jesus Christ. We'll get to that in a moment. But her deliverance and and that of her family depended on this, this red marking on her window, the scarlet thread suspended from her window, identifying her home as under the blood, so to speak, When Jericho fell and all of its other inheritance, excuse me, inhabitants perished, uh, this thin, blood-red line constituted a very slender hope for Rahab, but was everything she needed. As the the approaching judgment came, that that scarlet thread was her salvation, and it's so a picture not only of looking back into Passover, but it's such a picture of looking forward to the blood of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, and that if his blood is over the doorposts of my heart, then I too can be saved from the wrath to come. So here's your next filling. The red line marking Rahab's house for salvation was reminiscent of the red blood marks on the doorposts of the Hebrew slave homes in Egypt 40 years earlier. Okay, this was a picture looking back, but it also was a picture of the, the Passover lamb in the future. Here's your next part. It was also a foreshadow of the blood of the Lamb of God that would mark those who trust God for salvation through Christ. What a, what a picture. You know, I, I just love these Old Testament stories that speak to us today of Jesus Christ. So when John the Baptist in John chapter 1, verse 29, saw Jesus coming, that's why he says, Behold, The Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world because this was the final sacrifice for sin. No more was needed after that. And I don't know if you've heard this before, but God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. And God didn't send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. You see the heart of God? He wants to save us through Jesus Christ. Again, Romans 4 that I quoted earlier, let me read it to you now in the New King James. Now, to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as a debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Now, do I work to serve the Lord? I do, because he saved me. I work because I'm, I, I'm saved. What is the saying? Saved to serve. But I didn't serve the Lord so that I could gain uh, salvation. I serve the Lord because he's given me salvation. Because he's the one who justifies the ungodly. I want you to see that. So back to Hebrews chapter 11 as we speed through this. We're on verse 31 that says, By faith the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe. Did you, you notice? Why does he say did not believe? Because really it's all about faith or unbelief. Which side are you on? The people who perished, excuse me, in Jericho, it says that they were those who did not believe. But Rahab, she believed. Now, how far do you want to take this? I, I really think that whoever in the city of Jericho decided to follow and believe in the one true God, there was probably hope for them. Matter of fact, I think there were others. It was everybody who went into Rahab's house. All of the relatives and friends that she called in and got into her house, they, they, you know, could you imagine if they didn't believe? Yeah, right, Rahab. That army's going to attack us, and we'll be safe if we go to your house? <laughs> you've all, we've always thought you're a little weird, you know? Here you go again. So, even coming into Rahab's house was an act of faith. And so, she talked him into it, and they came in because they also believed. I, I like, uh, her statement of faith, again, in Joshua chapter 2, verse 11, says, For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth below. So here's something else I want you to see as we're looking at what happened here. And, and Rahab told her mom and dad and her cousins and relatives, I don't know how big of the family was, but how big her house was, but whoever believed came into her house. So here's your next fill-in. Rahab's faith led to works. What we like to talk about you saved by faith or works. Look, when you believe, you're going to do something with your, with your faith. okay? A, Rahab's faith led to works wh- when she risked her life to save the spies. Okay, As a matter of fact, later, and small groups are going to look at some of these verses, but I just want to read it to you right now in James chapter 2, when James makes the arguments about, are you saved by just grace alone? Or are you saved by grace plus works? How do you, how is it? Listen to what he says. He mentions Rahab. James chapter 2, verse 25. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. Folks, I believe in the grace of God. And I want to teach the gospel of grace, and I want to teach it straight. But someone who believes, you're going to see it in their life. And and, and he says, Rahab, he... She believed, and she acted like she believed. I guess we should make a bumper sticker. Act like you believe. Somebody do that. Okay? That's I'll put it out of my car. Act like you believe, because if you believe, you're going to act like it. right? So it reminded me of an old saying that I believe came from Martin Luther, and it's your next fill-in. You might have already looked at it and, and figured it out. Faith alone saves, but saving faith is never alone. I'll say it again. Faith alone saves, but saving faith is never alone the thing is yes I don't earn my salvation I don't get right with God because I did anything good It's because Christ did something good for me he paid for my sins on the cross and I come to him by his grace through faith but now if I believe I live like I believe and faith alone saves but saving faith is never alone so though she was a harlot she was saved by faith and and even brought into the human ancestry of Christ. I want you to see this in Matthew chapter one, verse five. And I've just put it up on the screen. <clears throat> it gives you a, a, a as we're going through the genealogies. Matthew gives you the genealogy of, of Jesus on Joseph's side. Okay, and Rahab is right in there. How did a prostitute get under? Well, religious people would hate that, right? But God did this to show us how we're saved. By grace, through faith, even Rahab made it in and got recognition. There's hope for you, my friend. There's hope for you and I. Because it's not because of our goodness. It's because of his goodness and what he did for us. Not what we do for him, what he did for us. And when we receive what he did for us, we can't help but to do for him. We can't help but to want to live for him. So Rahab, think about it, became the great-granddaughter of King David. How's that go? an ancestor of Jesus Christ on Joseph's side. Now here's your next fill-in. I want you to catch this. Rahab's faith was contagious because it also saved her family. Her faith was contagious and meaning not 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 just saved her family because she forced them they believed they wouldn't have come over. They wouldn't have decided let's camp out at Rahab's house for a while because it was not a good place with a good reputation. But Her family and friends, mom and dad, cousins, uncles, I don't know who all was included. Then give us a number. But it took faith to go, I think we need to move in with Rahab for a while. So it was contagious where even they believed and they were saved as well by faith. In in Joshua chapter 6, at the end of the story, which we haven't got to yet in the walls of Jericho, In verse 23, it says that the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had, so that they brought out her relatives and left them outside the camp of Israel. After the invasion was over, after the collapse of Jericho, they found them in in one place in peace, and they brought them out. So now, let's look at the story of Jericho. I told you, I'm switching the verses around, covered verse 31 before 30, because... Actually, Rahab's story started first. But the fall of Jericho. I've got to mention, though, that as I've looked this up, I remember it isn't. You know, we, I've had a couple of Israel trips. I've been blessed enough to go to Israel and drive out into the desert and go to visit the ruins of Jericho. There actually are ruins of Jericho. They know where the city is. The, the uh, excavation's there. And a um, couple things. One might surprise you in a disappointing way, but the way do I show you the whole picture. The walls of Jericho weren't really that tall. Uh, from the, the ruins, it seems like they were 13 to 15 feet tall. That's bigger than I could get over, 13 to 15 feet high. But I want you to understand something. Let's put the first picture up. They were built on a tell, on a hill, so that you see the first part of the wall there? 13, 15 feet was all you needed if that's the way it's set up. Now, this is not a photograph of Jericho. This is a diagram to get you to get the picture of it, okay? So I want you to look at the next image. This would be a better overview of the whole city. There was a double wall built upon a a hill, and so it it was at the edge of the hill. There were maybe 15 feet walls with towers, intermittent towers, around the city. So when the, the city fell, am I doing a spoiler alert? You already know the story, right? When the walls fell, let's look at the next picture. It would make now this is just showing you pieces of the wall. Maybe the whole wall fell, maybe just sections, but however it was, it made a rampart that it's like, how am I gonna get up there? That's high. Crumble, crumble, crumble. All I have to do is walk up these. It's like little steps. That 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 the invading army could enter into these holes in the wall, or if not the whole wall was down. It was just one big rampart where they could they could just climb up the stairs and go into the city from every direction. And there was no defense. You see that? Kind of interesting. This is from archaeological digs of Jericho to give you some insight of what they were up against. So uh, I, I appreciate this. I like to see how history verifies the Scriptures. Now, let's look at the story in parts. I'm not going to read the whole thing. we got like 15 minutes left together. But I'm going to give you sections from Joshua chapter 6. Again, from the New Living, because it reads like a story quite well. Uh, chapter 6, Joshua verse 1. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go in or out, to go out or in. Uh, But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king and its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. And on the seventh day, you're to march around the town seven times. It didn't look like they were taking a Sabbath this week, okay? And uh, the priest blowing the horns when they're walking around. When you hear the priest uh, give one big long blast of the ram's horn, have all the people shout as loud as they can, then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight up into the town. What would you do if you were a soldier and your general told you this was the plan? This took faith, okay? Okay? This, you better believe God. If you're going to, you know, you, you read the whole Old Testament, and you read stories of the conquest of the cities in Canaan, and almost every one of them, you better believe God if you're going to try to pull this off, or, or just stay home, right? Now, let's jump to verse 15. On the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before. But this, this time, they went around the town seven times, And the seventh time around, the priests sounded a long blast of their horns. Joshua commanded the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the town. I wonder what they shouted. I wonder what they... Tell us! They didn't tell us. Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. Only Rahab, the prostitute, and the others in her house will be spared, for she protected our spies. See, she's being remembered here. Let's jump to verse 22. Meanwhile, after the, the battle was over, Joshua said to the two spies, keep your promise, go to the prostitute's house and bring her out along with all her family. The men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab because they knew which one she was. And her fa listen, her father, mother, brothers, and all other relatives who were with her. They didn't give us a number, but whoever believed went into that house of Rahab. They moved her whole family to a safe place near the camp of Israel then the Israelites burnt the town and everything in it. Oh no! By the way, that's another thing about the ruins of Jericho. If you go there today, you will find not only have all the walls collapsed, and as a matter of fact, my tour guide when I went told me, if you notice that the way the walls have collapsed, they've collapsed outward. Then you find all kinds of interesting things in archaeology. You know, and the entire city shows signs of a fire, that the whole. The whole city was burnt and it says the, the israelites burned down the town and everything in it only the things made of silver gold or bronze or iron were kept for the treasury of the lord's house so joshua spared rahab the prostitute and her relatives who were with her in the house because she had hidden the spies joshua sent to jericho and she lives among the israelites to this day now that was then but she was living in a safe place living with the israelites it's a wonderful thing. So here's the thing. You've got to understand, you've got to see it, that faith believes God and acts like it believes. Okay? I've seen too many people what would, would we call cheap grace. Oh, yeah, I believe in God. Or like I told you before, there's many times somebody would say to me, well, meaning, pray for my son. He's living in sin and, and he's, uh, he's doing drugs and, or whatever. Long, big story of all the things, bad things he's doing, but, but he loves God. He, you don't love God and love sin. You can't do both at the same time. You might be, you might be a Christian who's backslidden, but you're, if you're loving God, you're not loving sin. If you're loving sin, you're not loving God. Faith that puts its, its trust in God acts a certain way. Believe and act like you believe. This is a, an important lesson. It goes, even though we're showing that we're made righteous by faith, when you do have faith, you begin to live righteously. Okay? So it's kind of tied in. And read James. As a matter of fact, to be mischievous, I've given the home groups a lot of book excerpts from James to read. Because James makes the other side of the argument that you, <clears throat> you can't just say, oh, I believe, and live however you want. Because faith acts a certain way. It does. Faith alone saves. But saving faith is never alone. Now, let's look again at our our text, and we're we're really probably going to end right on time, if not early today. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe. Interesting, faith, not faith, when she had received the spies with peace. And so faith qualifies the unqualified Faith makes worthy the unworthy, and I can't help it, forgive me, but it's that verse that I wear out, Second Corinthians chapter 5, but let's start the verse before, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Paul said this, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sent for us. That in him we might become the righteousness of God. I never get tired of saying this verse. I never get tired of reading this verse, and good thing, because I've already got my tombstone up. Did I tell you that? Linda and I already bought my our plot. We've already got our tombstone, but our names on it, just the birth dates, not the end dates yet. But on the back of the on the back of our tombstone, which is big got a big one. Got a we got a sail. On the back of our tombstone is big letters. I don't know if it's changed, but when we bought them and we put the font up, it was the biggest size font in all of the cemetery. And it says, it's all about Jesus. So that anybody who sees us, long after we're gone, people drive by and they go, Mike and Linda, I think I knew them. It's all about Jesus. And underneath, it's all about Jesus. The entire verse is typed out second actually chiseled out second corinthians 5:21 that god made him who had no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of god in him folks i know you've heard it before and those who haven't you're going to hear it the first time but the only way that any of us could ever be right with god is that jesus hung on the cross and took the penalty for your sins So that by faith, by faith, if you trust in what God did for you, you believe what God did for you in Christ on the cross, then God made him who knew no sin to become sin for you. He took your punishment for you in faith. You're trusting that so that, oh, it's not over yet. The divine swap takes place. He took my sins. He was treated the way my sins deserve to be treated. If by faith I trust in that, I get his righteousness. That's not fair, but if I got fair, I would get hell. But that's not fair. But you know what? That's the gospel, that God made Him who had no sin to become sin for me, that as I trust in Christ for salvation, I could become the righteousness of God. So God was treating Jesus the way I deserve to be treated, and then when I go to heaven, when I oh, let's just say, when I stand in judgment, disappointed on a man wants to die, and after this the judgment. Want to stand before God on that day of judgment? And, and, and he says, why should I let you into heaven? I'd say, you shouldn't. But God made him who knew no sin become sin for me, that I might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus paid the price for my sins. He was treated the way my sins deserve to be treated, so that I, by faith, by faith, as I trust in him, he gives me his righteousness. And now, folks, it's the most bizarre thing in the world. I was not raised to know this. I had to study the Bible to unlearn the things I've been learned in my first religion is that I could never be good enough for God. I could never earn my way to salvation, to heaven. I just trust in Him. But then when I trust in Him, there's this divine swap. He took my sin. He gives me His righteousness. And now I'm in right standing with God because I've got the righteousness of Christ. And just as He was treated the way I deserve to be treated, I will be treated the way He deserves to be treated. Oh, the divine swap. You see why I put that on my tombstone? I'm not kidding. It's a Dry Creek Cemetery. Go look for it at, at the Willows. Okay? Drive around. Look for it. If you want to ever do a tour of a cemetery. Some people are weird like that. I, I, I've done that many times because it's a, it's a reminder that we're all temporary. And I want to live my life right. And I want to end my life right. I want to finish well. And I hope you do too. Father, we bow before you right now. We just admit our need for you. Lord, I pray that if anybody here is not in right standing with you, if anyone here is in a place of separation because of their sin, I pray that you just touch their heart right now and draw them near. If it's you I'm praying for, just call out the name of the Lord. All it takes, yes, you're unworthy. Yes, you're unqualified, but he makes the unworthy worthy. And he qualifies the unqualified. And if you will call upon him in faith and just say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I need you. I know that you died for my sins. Forgive me of my sins. Deliver me from my sins. Give me your righteousness. Make me right with God. Just call upon him right now. By faith, you could be made right. And if there's any Christians here who just maybe you've backslidden, maybe you're not right, you do the same thing. The Bible says, "Of you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness." Now's your day. Today's your time. The, 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 the day and time is right here, right now. Just call upon Him. Get right.
0: hope you enjoyed today's program. You can find all of Pastor Mike's messages and any other information you would like about Calvary Chapel Eagle online at cceagle.org. In iTunes, you can subscribe to the podcast Calvary Chapel Eagle Sunday Morning. If you are new to the area and don't already have a home church, we would love for you to come check us out. We meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle. That is one block north of Highway 44. You can call or text the church phone at 208-891-2635. Once again, you can get any information you need at cceagle.org. There you will also find a link to join our Facebook page. So until next time, remember, it's all about Jesus.
1: Yeah. The power.